Sex and happiness both enrich our lives, yet it's surprising how few people can honestly say that they enjoy regular and fulfilling sex or describe themselves and their lives as happy. Host Lori Handlers helps you to experience real intimacy and happiness. You'll laugh a little, learn a little, and we hope put a smile on your face and a smile in your life. Now here's Lori. Hi, everybody. This is Laurie Handlers, and you're listening to an episode of Sex and Happiness, the show about sex and happiness. And today I'm super excited about this show in particular. I'm excited all the time, I know, but today I'm really excited because of who my guest is. And I announced it on the last show that he was going to be my guest, but let me tell you a little bit about him because I, I have a lot to ask him, and I've been trying to, in my mind, trying to get an interview with him for years. He probably doesn't know that. So um, his name is John Hawken, and he's one of Europe's leading, most respected, and longest-serving Tantra teachers. He weaves bioenergetics, Tantra, and shamanism to create his unique year-long trainings. Year-long, wow. These are the names of some of the trainings. Sacred Body, Passionate Spirit, Love making, shamanism, and the art of initiatory tantra massage, professional training. Um, the thing that I know is that John is probably best known for his innovation and daring in exploring first chakra sexuality, which is offered as his dark eros intensive, which is a week long workshop. So that's what I'm going to, that's the introduction. That's what I'm going to say about him right now. And we're going to find out more. So, John, it is my pleasure to have you on my show. Laurie, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. And so the scoop on this is when I first went to uh, London, I guess in 2000 or 2001, I used to do these shows, the Vitality Show and the, the – um, health and well-being show. I don't know. There were all the names of these shows in the horticultural halls in London and then in the in that big venue, the Vitality Show. And I met these Tantra people, and they were all taking Tantra from you. Yes. And, uh, and then I went to some, I went to some Tantra uh, event, like a, another conference that was, I think, in Devon. And there was a bunch of people who were also taking Tantra from you. And it was like, but I never met you. I, I met a bunch of other teachers. I was on a panel and I kept going, where is this John Hawken? When am I going to meet him? And to be honest with you, you scared me. I was scared of you. You didn't scare me, but I was scared of you because of this dark arrows thing. You know, I said, what is he doing? And I went to this party. People were dressed sort of kinky and I was dressed in a, in a sari. <laughs> and I just like, I said, Hmm, what are they into here? So I, so it's like I secretly, you didn't know this, but I secretly always wanted to meet you. I secretly always wanted to interview you. And so here we are. I mean, it's like I didn't stalk you, but I just, I always wanted to meet you. So I'm very excited to, to be talking to you now. Well, you can't see what I'm wearing because we're on the radio, but I can assure you it's quite normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you're not wearing like a, a kilt with 
floggers <laughs> and all kinds of things. I wouldn't that. dream of it, no. <laughs> That's not my style at all. <laughs> That's great, John. Yeah, I mean, you know, the mind is a terrible thing. It can, it can conjure up all kinds of stories and all kinds of um, imaginary things. And so uh, I, I did about you, but you fascinated me, and 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 I couldn't, you know, I didn't find you. So here we are, and I, I'm really excited. So how long have you been teaching? Like, let's just, let's go back to how long have you been actually teaching this subject, Tantra and well, related things? Tantra for 28 years now. And yeah. before that, I was teaching bioenergetics. I had a therapy center. So altogether, 40 years, really. Wow. That's amazing. And bioenergetics, you know, I also studied bioenergetics. It's so funny. I took, um, there was a, in the 60s, in the late 60s, I studied bioenergetics and kinesiology and um, psychodrama. Yeah. And so my background is all that, but mostly bioenergetics is what I fell in love with. The funny thing is, though. Yes, I remember uh, workshops with Reich's daughter, Eva. Yeah. And with his biographer, Myron Sharaf. Yes, those are the exciting early days weren't they yeah the early days of bioenergetics and then alexander lowen came along and made it more popular and um and and that's what you were doing and you know obviously you and i both know then the the uh the value of body-centered therapies body-centered focus i mean when people tell me they're in therapy and i say you mean talk therapy yeah no, what I like about bioenergetics is that you don't have an authority telling you their interpretation of your behavior. The body is the key, and it's like the body is the touchstone of what is true. So the therapist points out to you, okay, can you feel this tension in your body? What's it expressing? Can you feel this posture? And that becomes the authority. As so you start looking at yourself through the body, Nobody is telling you anything. You're discovering it with the help of the therapist. That's yeah. what I love about bioenergetics. Yeah. So how did that translate for you? Like, then you translated that. Like, what was, what was your first introduction to Tantra? I mean, did you... I'm just going to ask you this. For me, I always felt like sex. Like, after I had sex for the first time, I think it was 18 or whatever. And and I said, this can't be it. Like there's that I in my own body was feeling something much deeper mm. and and something much more uh holistic, I guess. I don't even know the word for it, but inside me I said, This experience I just had is not it. Mm. There's something more, but I don't know how to find it and I don't know what words to talk about it. Did you feel the same way? Um well, actually, I was, I was 18 as well, almost 19. And I had the good fortune to be initiated by a very beautiful young woman. And there was a touch of the um, transgressive, because this happened in my rooms in Cambridge, where it was a men-only college and you weren't allowed to have women guests. Mm. She came with a bunch of grapes and she really beautifully seduced me. 
she was experienced and I wasn't. And it was a most wonderful initiation. It was a lovely experience. The only problem was, except it was a little bit exciting, she had to hide in the cupboard when the cleaner came in at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, those are very rich experiences. <laughs> Perhaps that's what got me interested in transgression. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, okay, so you had a good experience. I didn't have a good experience. And after that, um, yes, I discovered my head was in the way so much of the time. And my sexuality was very, yeah, visually based. And I really had to to learn to feel what was going on in my body because... Um, yeah, that wasn't what men did in those days. It was all about performance, really. Mm -hmm. So it was a confrontation with my own performance drive and my own watching myself and being terribly self-conscious, which, of course, is is the English disease, but not only English people suffer from it, right? Mm, no, not only English people suffer from it, but English have it a big, they have a big dose of it. There's no question about it. Um, right. And what other people will think, public opinion, like, I mustn't do this, I mustn't do that, because I once was doing bioenergetics in a workshop in England, and a, the, this man said to me, I can't continue because I'm going to throw up. Yeah. And I said, you should throw up then. Yes. And he said, I, I, I can't do that. <laughs> I couldn't possibly do that. And I said, well, that's what your body's telling you to do. You should do it. I'll bring you a bucket. Well, we always had a bucket in the in the therapy room in those days. And yeah. every time I tried to get in touch with my anger, I had an asthma attack. Yeah, mm -hmm. All the muscles in my lungs and around the heart just shut down, which is, of course happened in my teenage years as well. well. From about 10 or 11, I started having asthma. And this feeling of not having space for myself or to be myself. So that was one of the major themes um, I was working on in bioenergetics for myself. Wow. Yeah. I had asthma too, by the way, but I, I got rid of it at seven. I don't wow. know. I had it earlier. Um, and I think I was, a fr I think it was about abandonment. I'm not uh -huh. really sure, you know, my bioenergetics teacher actually told me that I have some bone structure on my chest that looks like I had this big abandonment thing that when I was probably an infant, I held my breath. I don't know, but um, up to me, bioenergetics has just made the most sense. It saved my life. Where, where the chest is sunken in? It's not sunken. It's actually sticking out a little bit. Oh, right. Yeah, like just right. Um, I don't know what this part is called. When... Well, maybe when we finish this uh, talk together, I'll turn the camera on and I'll point, <laughs> so, you can, so you can see you can see the part of my chest that sticks out a little bit. She said it was it was from holding my breath and a feeling of abandonment. So, holding your breath in, then yes, holding it in and then explode it explodes out like yeah. when I finally had to breathe. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do in asthma, isn't it? It's having the trust to actually let go and let the breath flow out and actually tolerating the emptiness. That's what's hard. Yeah, that's hard. And I know, I don't know, did you ever smoke cigarettes? 
No, not then. No, not for uh, only only recently. Oh, which again, recently as well. But no, not in those days. Because I, when I smoked cigarettes, it was the only time I could actually feel that I was breathing. Yeah. And then I and then I used it as a. I didn't have any boundaries then. You know, this whole conversation about boundaries and consent. I didn't know what boundaries were. I was, you know, my father would just barge in my room any old time. He wanted to talk to me about whatever. I had no privacy growing up. And, yeah. um, and so I didn't know what boundaries were. I didn't know how to like keep a certain distance from people or tell them to keep a certain distance from me. So I smoked cigarettes. I used to like blow smoke between me and everyone mm. so that I could have a boundary. It was like, it was so crazy. Well, I, I created a boundary by going away to university to about the furthest place away from my parents' home as you could get to. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I couldn't go home at weekends and I did my best not to go home in the holidays either. But yeah. doing lots of exciting things. I totally yeah. understand. I totally, totally understand. So let's go to how you. So when you. So you had this clinic. Um, I'm assuming it was. Was it in London? Your clinic, your bioenergetic center. No, actually, it was in Germany. Oh, in Germany. So you actually moved away from from home. Well, I was. Um, I'll tell you the story a bit earlier because my journey really started when I started getting interested in experimental theater. Wow. I did a lot of theater at Cambridge. And when I finished there, I, I noticed that there were scholarships to go to Poland. And in Poland was the most interesting experimental theater called the Theater Laboratory run by a man called Jerzy Grotowski, who wrote a book called Towards the Poor Theatre. And so I just wrote off and applied for a scholarship to actually go there without knowing whether it was possible or not. And I got the scholarship, but I heard nothing, nothing, nothing from the theatre. Then I actually got a job in television on a production training scheme. And then one day a telegram arrived and it was in French, except I couldn't distinguish one word from another. It was just a whole row of letters. And finally, I worked it out that it was inviting me to come for an audition at the theatre laboratory on the 2nd of January, 1974. And everybody talked like it was going to Siberia, it was because it was the wrong side of the Iron Curtain in those days. <laughs> and... I didn't know what to do. Um, so I threw the I Ching for the first time in my life. Actually, for the last time, really seriously, I just... <laughs> and it came out at revolution. So I thought, well, I better go and do this. So I went off to Poland on the 1st of January... And there was a train strike and there was an electricity strike and a three-day working week in England. It was really bad. And I caught the train. That was the one train of the day to the ferry. Crossed Germany, went through Berlin at five o'clock in the morning. I woke up in uh, 
Berlin railway station, watching everybody walking to work in deadly silence in the snow. And it really did feel like I'd landed in Siberia. Yeah, imagine. Got to Poland about five o'clock in the afternoon in the snow. And I had this address to go to, which was called Hotel Stadion Olimpinski. And I didn't know only Polish. I was looking up the words for yes and no in a phrase book in the train. And this Hotel Stadion Olimpinski turned out to be the Olympic stadium that Hitler had built in the 1930s. And it was just this huge building and there was one steel door and everything was covered in snow. It was like bleak, bleak, bleak. And I I opened this door and inside there were about 40 people. The whole place was lit by candles. People were drumming and playing guitars and singing. And it was all the people who'd come from all over the world for these auditions. And that's when my life changed. Wow, it sounds like you, it sounds like you walked, it sounds like the Twilight Zone. You walked out from, out from this bleak thing into this warm, wonderful uh, experience. What a, and you, you were so courageous, John, you know, to like leave England and go somewhere like completely in the unknown. Well, I guess I must have been, but I never felt very courageous. <laughs> and in fact, most of my life, I've just kind of followed my instincts or followed, followed my nose where things led. And, and I never thought of myself as, as very courageous, but I did notice, hello, all my friends from university and everything, they've now got proper jobs <laughs> as psychiatrists and as theatre directors. And I'm just carrying on searching and ending up as a Tantra teacher, kind of really on the far end of the limb of the tree I was climbing. Yeah, amazing, amazing. But without feeling that I was particularly courageous, I just one day woke up and noticed uh, I was still going and everybody else had more or less stopped. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a great thing. This experience in Poland was amazing because Grotowski's work, with his um, with his theatre, was all about dropping the masks, mm. stopping pretending, dropping all the habits. And what he was interested in was getting down to the essence of being human. And he talked about theatre as the one place where you could just be. You didn't have to represent anything. You could just put a human being with their emotions, with their way of being in front of an audience, and they just were. And all of his work was dropping the masks and dropping everything that got in the way of just being. And those people were just so open and energetically powerful and spontaneous and emotional and amazing and i just realized what a kind of uptight heady intellectual englishman i was Mm. well i i we're gonna need to take a break here for a moment when we come back we'll talk more about it like what where that led to like what the work is that you're doing now etc but i want to let you know before we go to break that today my i post on facebook five days a week monday through friday and today i posted about Dropping the masks. <laughs> so I just want to... 
Yeah, very much so. There's no coincidence. All right, so if you just tuned in, you're listening to Sex and Happiness. I am talking with John Hawken, who is really well-known as a, as a Tantra teacher in Europe. Um, he's just said he was an uptight Englishman, but compared to most Englishmen, he is not. <laughs> and he's teaching people to to actually be to to everything he just said. He he has been teaching people to be for quite some time. So when we come back, we're going to find out some about his teachings and about um, just see what we can learn on this show. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back. Did you ever stop to think that love is your birthright? That you don't need to earn it or prove it. You just need to live it. I'm personally inviting you to the path of true love, power, and freedom. If you're ready to enliven your soul through conscious sexuality and dive deeply into profound ritual that frees your heart, I'm inviting you to join us for the spiritual sexual shamanic experience. This is better known to most of you as the ISTA Level 1 training. I am regularly leading these courses along with a team of accomplished facilitators all around the world. As a matter of fact, these trainings have taken place in 34 countries. For information on when I'm leading, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com. Or for a full schedule, you can go to schooloftemplearts.org. Please consider this invitation seriously because love and freedom are your natural state of being. Are you wondering what book to read to jumpstart your life? Get the best from relationships? Attain the deepest feelings of intimacy? Do you want the best sex along with great happiness? Get your copy of Sex and Happiness, The Tantric Laws of Intimacy by Lori Handlers right now. You'll learn how to make love in the unknown, take the performance anxiety and reaching a goal out of sex. You'll learn subtle ways of communication and really important practices to empower you when dealing with an intimate partner. You'll let go of blame and struggle. Doesn't this sound great? Sex and happiness puts the innocence back into sex and gives Tantra the respect it deserves. Take charge of your life, physically, emotionally, and spiritually with Sex and Happiness by Lori Handlers. Only nineteen ninety nine paperback and fourteen ninety nine ebook. Order your copy today by going to ButterflyWorkshops.com. That's ButterflyWorkshops.com for your copy of Sex and Happiness. If you're a woman who could use a little zest and zing in your arousal response, or maybe you know women or a woman who could use this, because many women say that their feelings of desire, arousal, and sexual satisfaction don't happen as naturally or as often as they'd like. So I want to tell you about Zestra, because Zestra was developed to meet this much-needed option for women. Uh, Zestra safe and a patented blend of botanical oils and extracts, and it's created to help women have increased sexual sensations. Zestra comes in convenient single-dose personal packets. Each packet keeps the essential arousal oils and extracts free, fresh, and safe from light. And with application of Zestra, it starts to work within three to five minutes. And at about ten minutes, there's something called the Zestra Rush. 
and that can last up to about 45 minutes. The great news is that Zestra can be used as frequently as you like during each sexual experience. Now, I'm somebody who believes that all women deserve sexual satisfaction. That's why I do this show, in case you hadn't noticed. So I believe that men and women deserve sexual satisfaction. So if you're a woman who isn't getting that kind of arousal response that you want, please call 877-426-8047. That's 877-426-8047. And please remember to say you heard about Zestra from Laurie Handlers on the Sex and Happiness Show. We're back with Sex and Happiness. And again, I'm Laurie Handlers. I'm talking today with John Hawkins. And uh, he has been serving the community as a Tantra teacher for years, uh, starting out as a bioenergetic uh, therapist and moving on to Tantra and shamanism and has created a whole bunch of trainings. John, in my introduction of you, I I said that you have a a unique year-long training or Mm -hmm. all these trainings are year-long so i'm going wow how do you get people to commit for a year what do you do for a year in these trainings well it takes a year but it's usually um four weeks altogether mondays to sundays yeah so it's a 28-day training over the course of one year oh i see okay and so and you, you deliver all these things like Sacred body, passionate spirit, love making, shamanism, and the art of initiatory tantra massage, or that's a different course. Well, those are those are different courses. Sacred body, passionate spirit, mm-hmm. major tantra course, with especially about that contradiction that the body is sacred and the spirit is passionate. Mm. That's the essence of what I teach, to get away from that old duality of spirit good, body bad, and to actually teach the tantric way of looking at things, which is going beyond duality into an understanding that truth is a polarity, that truth is a dance between two opposites, which are both equally true, like the red fire and the white fire, like the body and the spirit, like control and abandon. That it's not that one is right and the other is wrong, but that we have these polarities and the truth is a pulsation between the two poles, or if you like, the whole field that we can dance in between those two poles. And then relationship comes out the same because. Obviously, that's a polarity, the male way of looking at the world, the female way of looking at the world, if we're looking at a heterosexual relationship. Um, Instead of this sense that one of us is wrong and the other one is right, and then we battle with each other, who's wrong and who's right, this sense of, okay, my partner is there to show me another reality, another truth, another way of looking at the world. And that's how I can expand my horizons. And that's how I can expand my consciousness. And so instead of fighting each other, we learn from each other. And this essential tantric perspective that there is not one truth, that truth is a dance or a relationship, or of course, as you go deeply, it's an act of lovemaking. 
Yes. <laughs> I was saying actually uh, recently that I have come to a place where if I'm making love, it's not me anymore. It's just love making love to itself. Like I, I, I can drop away from even the personality these days. And that, I mean, that's a long time coming. I didn't even expect that. Some of the things that have happened to me from Tantra, no one ever told me would happen or to expect them or to look for them. And then I found, you know, like I, all of a sudden I find myself somewhere, which is totally unfamiliar and nothing I read about or thought about or even studied. It, I just find myself, wow, there's no more me. And I find that especially true as you become aware that we not only are physical bodies, but that we are energy bodies. Mm. And that you have your energy body and the energy body of your partner or your beloved. And then you create the energy body of your relationship. And that's when it gets really exciting. So you surrender not to the other, but you surrender to what is happening between you to the energy body of the relationship. And then this real sort of synergy and selfless beauty arises. Yes, so much so. Now speak for a minute about surrender, because I know what you mean when you say that word, but maybe my listeners don't know what, you know, when most people hear surrender, they think of an army coming over a hill and waving a white flag because they look down and the enemy has more troops. So we don't mean that when we say surrender. <laughs> we certainly don't, no. Yeah, well, there are different levels of surrender. I'd say the first level is what you start learning in bioenergetics or as you're doing body work at the beginning of tantra training. That your body learns to surrender to the flow of energy coming through it and to notice where we're resisting that energy and through the resistance we create form what is called in in bioenergetics our character yeah and our character is closely attached to our ego and who we think we are and as you let go of of your physical tensions and you allow energy to flow through you you start becoming not your form, but your flow. And that would be the first surrender, to surrender to life and to the energy of life flowing through you. And that is the basis that then you start surrendering to, to love, which arises, and to other emotions which come and you can, you can let go of, and you can trust that if you surrender to energy and you just let it flow through you, it will start transforming. It will start moving towards the highest possibility, which is love. Mm. Yeah, it's very well put. Very, very well put. In. To, to something which is there, which you don't want, which we call the shadow, like your anger or your fear or your grief or your desire for revenge, if you actually surrender to that in a conscious way and in a safe space, it will automatically start transforming through not repressing it, through not hiding it, 
it will become pure energy and pure energy always takes the form of love mm, so good really good you made it very very understandable for people and what we talk about um for me one of the points is when we're when we're young when we're children we want to experience love by receiving it but as we're adults we experience love through giving it and the older you get you get the more you experience that you experience that as a parent you experience that as a teacher you experience that in your relationships that receiving love is less important than giving love that's how we really experience it Mm. So it's so good. Thanks, John. Such a nice perspective. Really, really nice. So let's go to um, the that thing. You know, let's go to the thing that that um, I guess uh, where you were innovative at the beginning, probably before many of the other. Like I teach a course now, which surprises me. It's called Tantra Meets BDSM because one of my teacher, one of my students, he was a student of mine for about 15 years. He took all the Tantra he could from me and then some others. And then he became, he got interested in the kink world. And one day he called me and he said, I think we should teach together. I'll, you know, you do the bioenergetic parts and the Tantra parts about getting to bliss in tantric ways like eye gazing etc and i'll do the parts that have to do with kink and i said okay you know and i've learned so much from teaching this course with him but you were doing this before i think anybody you definitely looked into what they call dark arrows i yeah. before anyone was doing it and again i'm going to say that took courage and braveness even if you didn't experience yourself as courageous you you something led you there some some flow you were on led you there how, how how did that happen how did you wake up to that well i started off with my own experience that i was a sickening sickeningly good boy <laughs> okay <laughs> I wasn't naughty because if I was naughty, if I had been naughty, I would have been punished by the withdrawal of love. My mother, well, she managed to find things that I wasn't doing well enough, and she brought me up with being disappointed. So this horrific emotional withdrawal, and I usually had to search around for days on end and try and find out what it was that I had done because I had no, no idea. So I was brought up, if you like, by psychological means, Ooh. the withdrawal of love. And then I remember reading the Jungle Book. And in the Jungle Book, uh, Balu and um, Bagheera say to Mowgli, don't play with the monkeys. So what's the first thing he does? He goes off and he plays with the monkeys. Of course. And the monkeys kidnap him and take him to the old temple, which is their base. And Balu and Bagheera have to come and rescue him. And then it says in the book, okay, I think Balu puts Mowgli over his knee and spanks him for about two minutes. And then it says, and afterwards, they were the best of friends again and had a huge feast to celebrate. And I was going, 
what? This is possible? <laughs> I don't know this in my life. I know days or a couple of weeks of just this psychological withdrawal of energy. The idea that after two minutes they could be the best of friends again was like a revolution, revelation, you know? Yeah. So... I thought, well, then it can't be a bad thing getting spanked, you know, instead of all this psychological torment. And oh, then I got interested in Tom Sawyer. Hold on one second, hold on. I have to pull the plug on this. I just have to pull the plug on that. Let me count us in again. I'm going to have to tell somebody to take this out. <clears throat> okay, hold on. You're gonna, you'll start right where you were. Uh, five, four, three, two, one, go. So then I got interested in Tom Sawyer. And Tom and Huckleberry Finn, they can decide if they want to go off and play truant and spend the day down on the river. And they know they'll get uh, a flogging when they get back to school, but they can then calculate, is it worth it? And then there's this episode where he falls in love with Becky, the judge's daughter. And she's accidentally spilled the teacher's ink on the book. And the teacher's going to each child in the class, was it you? Was it you? <laughs> and just before he gets to Becky, Tom jumps up and says, it was me. And so he takes the punishment. He's seen as a hero in the eyes of everybody in the class. And Becky falls in love with him. And I thought that, <laughs> that was a very good thing. So I got interested in transgression and a physical punishment on the first chakra on your bottom as an affirmation of your energy of individuality your anal energy that you're able to be naughty and transgressive and stand up against the authorities because oh. i was able to as a child wow that's an interesting way of looking at it that's really an interesting way of looking at it yeah an affirmation of your of your independence or what, you know. Yeah, because that's what anal sexuality is about. You start feeling the energy down in the base of the spine, in your first chakra. It goes down into your legs. You start standing up for yourself as an individual. It's the energy that kicks off the process of individuation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the English novelist, D.H. Lawrence, he writes about it. Yes. And he's, he, he has this book called um, The Fantasia of the Unconscious. And he talks about the great energy centers of the body. And he says at the base of the spine is the lumbar ganglion. And it's like the pride, the pride in being oneself. And it's like a wild stallion that rears up on its back legs. And that's a beautiful image. and. He says that our industrial civilization has more or less destroyed this natural wildness and, and pride in being ourselves. And um, I have to say, I agree with that. And um, so for me, dark eros is about feeling that energy and that pride in oneself as an individual. And we start off by experiencing the flogging not as a punishment, but as simply moving energy. 
and we can move energy with the flogger in a very delicate, a very subtle way, bringing it up the spine, releasing energy that's held at the base of the spine behind the sex, releasing energy that's held at the back of the heart. So it flows forward into expression and uh, into energy that we are giving and showing. So it's all to do with helping us become an individual. And then we can work with scenarios where we have been punished, either physically or mentally, emotionally, and we can actually create a situation where we are being affirmed in our first chakra as gently or as strongly as we desire, and it looks like a punishment. So actually you're creating two realities. You have um, an energy work which is pleasurable and which is about empowerment, and it looks like an act of punishment which is about making somebody conform. Mm -hmm. And so that if the mind looks down, and the superego in the form of God looking down from his cloud and saying, what's going on here then? I hope you're not having fun. <laughs> then you can reply, oh no, um, I'm being punished because I'm a bad person. Or I'm punishing because this person deserves it. And then God sitting up on his cloud nods sagely and says, well, that's all right then. Secretly. <laughs> You're having fun. Secretly, you're having an erotic game. <laughs> the more you do it, the more that erotic game becomes the reality that you're creating in safety. And the erotic game always ending in a place of love and intimacy and that old reality of punishment and of adapting to society's demands and the should and shouldn'ts, that slowly falls away. And that is what I teach in Dark Heroes. That's so good. I'm just getting a kick out of it because for me, it's relatively new, um, a new awareness. Uh, all this stuff that you just talked about, I'm laughing because I just did a workshop mm -hmm. on uh, humiliation and how you could find erotic content in the thing that you're trying to avoid the most, which is to be, which is being humiliated or embarrassed. And you that is able to watch the humiliation, yes, but isn't the humiliation. So you're actually creating that energetic self that will partly energy and partly consciousness, the witnessing that is separate from the experience of being humiliated or wounded or whatever that old reality was. Right, because and now you're asking for it, or you're you're surrendering to it, to use an earlier word, and you're yeah. saying, "I want this." And when we re and when we choose inside of our boundaries to bring that up in the current state, it becomes actually very exciting to play there, different from the time that the, that the incident happened or whatever, you know. So yeah. it's very cool, very very cool. Yeah. What did, um, I know that you paid some prices for this. Like you, uh, whenever it is that you started this, 
um, not a lot of the world was ready for it. So I know that you yourself, um, in pursuing this and being, you know, being uh, distinct and offering this, uh, it paid some price for this. Can you want to tell? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. I mean, I, I, I want to give you a, 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 you know, a platform where you could talk about it. I don't know how often you may have talked about it, but I know that, I know that your your um, creativity took. To, you know, it took some toll. Like, people didn't get you. A lot of people didn't get me. I mean, I, I started my interest in this when I was still a therapist. And I got especially interested in working with people who punished themselves in psychological ways. Mm. And my way of working with it was, one, to make the punishment physical rather than mental because then you could grasp it you can actually feel it and to divide up the two roles of the punisher and the one being punished so that you could actually identify with one and meet the other and of course switching the roles was very important yeah because if you're if it's something you're doing to yourself the if you like the perpetrator and the victim get terribly mixed up so you can't actually bring consciousness to it very clearly right yeah because as you try to feel the judge inside you the victim gets in the way and as you try to feel the victim the judge gets in the way mm -hmm. the idea was to gestalt that really to separate out the roles or or do a psychodrama about it so I started doing that, but then I realized, despite Wilhelm Reich and all his theories about working with sexuality in therapy, the norm was that people expected the therapist to be in loco parentis. You know, so the therapist was expected to behave like mummy or like daddy, a good mummy or a good daddy. Mm -hmm. And the problem was then that it was almost impossible to work with sexuality because that immediately becomes incest. Right, and there's a lot of shame and fear there. So despite all the talk about, you know, bioenergetics, Reich's work, going into an exploration of sexuality, um, I always found it impossible. So my first step was to become a tantra teacher. I'd done the training with Margot Anand by then and actually declare myself, I am not a parent. I'm not a therapist in that sense. I'm a tantra teacher, so I'm a guide on this exploration of sexuality, whether the sexuality is oral or anal or genital or what is getting in the way of our complete surrendering to energy flowing through us and total whole body and whole energy body sexuality so that was the first step and then sort of coming out with the whole thing writing about it writing articles about what i was doing and the whole theory about it and putting groups out there that were very clearly called dark eros and writing about the whole idea of transforming through erotic punishment and creating these two realities that was what i had to do to try and do it in a very clean and conscious way but 
being right at the beginning, the only other person who I met in those days who was doing this was a an ex-nun who was working as a domina in Hamburg. <laughs> uh, otherwise, nobody was doing it. So, yes, people didn't understand what I was doing. My tantric colleagues, my therapy colleagues, uh, they didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, and f- I can tell you myself for one, I didn't get it when I heard about you. And yet, you know, I've had this intrigue about you for all these years, since like 2001, let's say. Yeah. You know, it's 2018, so 17 years of you being sort of a mystique for me. Um, and, and me finally coming into my own and understanding Dark Eros. And then going, like, oh, my God, I have to talk to John Hawkins. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's full circle, you know what I mean? Like, it, for me, it's full circle. You didn't even know that you didn't even know me. You didn't know anything about it. It went from nobody understanding and being very suspicious of what I was doing. And, of course, people said, yeah, well, he's doing his own thing. You know, he's he's doing what turns him on. Well, what else can one do? Yeah. <laughs> what is inside oneself and and come out with it and basically say to the world, does anybody else feel like this? You know? Right. right. And obviously people did because people have been loving well, you. People well, did. And now it's gone from one Dark Eros training a year to this summer I'm doing three, oh. two in English and one in German. So it... Yeah, there is an understanding growing. But the problem is people get onto the idea of Tantra and BDSM and then they go in the other direction. And the whole thing is about, okay, aren't we amazing because we're doing this daring stuff. And so you're back in ego in the other direction. Right. And actually getting people to stay in the middle and ask themselves deeply, so what's behind this? What is actually deeply motivating me? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. What's the spiritual urge behind the surrender here? Mm. Surrendering to a higher force and surrendering to energy and surrendering control. um, As, as you hopefully learn to do in sex is something you can, you can do under the whip, but the danger is, instead of the whip helping you let go, that the whip is forcing you. So it becomes a perpetuation of the old rape fantasy that Nancy Friday writes about. Mm. No woman actually wants to be raped, but they have fantasies about it because they're not allowed to want sex. And so to be made to have sex becomes a fantasy. Yes. Yeah, and to be made to feel energy through BDSM is is a fantasy that could be lived out without going into the sensitivity, without going into the whole process of letting go of one's own control. Right. And so for me, it, it's important to do this work, but to emphasize that Tantra is a way of sensitivity, not of more and more sensation. Exactly. And then also, and then surrendering to love on the, as the bottom line or the top line of all of it, surrendering to love. Yeah, but surrendering to love 
is an experience that arises as you surrender to the shadow. Mm -hmm. You simply surrender to the energy in the form it is, and it transforms and it becomes love very, very clearly every time if you really go into the energy. Mm. But if you have the idea of surrendering to love, it's, it's less likely to happen because then, you know, it's another image that you're trying to live out. Yeah. And interest about the opposite of living out an image of yourself. Yeah, then it becomes an image. No surrender in that. It's another narcissistic process. Yeah. And for me, narcissism is the big enemy in Tantra. It's the danger. It's the shadow of Tantra. Yeah. Look at me. I'm one of the beautiful people. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, we're going to take another break here. When we come back, that's a bit, that, this is a wonderful segment. Thank you so much for clarifying all that and uh, really explaining it. I think, you know, I just think it's more palatable uh, when, you, when you speak about it this way. Right. Really, really wonderful. In the next segment, I'm going to ask you about a book that you've written and about how people can get in touch with you, how they can find out about all these courses that you're doing, and we'll talk also about Crete, maybe in France, some things that you're doing in um, mm -hmm. in some in some other in some unique places. So, if you just tuned in, you are listening to Sex and Happiness. I'm interviewing John Hawken, and um, we're having a lovely time, really talking about going into the body, going into the feelings, going into bioenergetics, and then also into the shadow aspects, the parts where um, we've had desires but haven't known uh, how to reach what's going on in them and uh, just exquisite stuff. So we'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Hi, you know, I want to talk to you seriously about going on vacation. To me, vacation is really important and I want to be somewhere that really stimulates me and really is fun. I want to tell you about a vacation you can come on where you can deepen your intimacy while also being at the perfect vacation. I'm talking about an all-inclusive vacation with a nude beach and a prude beach and an exceptional nightlife. In really fun classes, every day I will take you deeper and deeper into couples, sensuality, intimacy, and enhanced communication. My classes include things like making love in the unknown, making sex last longer, sex magic, and intimate massage techniques. This year, I'll be teaming up with Michael Gibson to offer Just Add Skill for Men and Goddess Massage. He and I will both offer private sessions on all these topics and more. So, you're asking when? October 13th to the 20th. The location is Hedonism 2 Resort in Negril, Jamaica. I really want you to come on this vacation with me. I'm not kidding. It changed my life to be in an environment like hedonism. So, to book, call Tom's Trips. The number is 800 285 0853. That's 800-285-0853. You have to say that you're with me, Laurie Handlers. Please book right away because accommodations are going fast. And this is really 
a dream vacation. So many times you've heard Lori talk about emotional release on this show. She says over and over again how important it is for you and your loved ones. Now you can do emotional release in the privacy of your own home. And you can practice Lottie Han too. Meditation that prepares you for making love in the unknown. In her CD, Shamanic Release and Lottie Han, she creates a safe and sacred space in which you can do the powerful work Lori is known for in her Butterfly Workshops courses. Lori sets you up with the proper positioning and breathing. Then she guides you through each emotional state to the beat of tribal African rhythms. This CD actually provides an easy way to do emotional clearing work on a regular basis. Order your copy of Shamanic Release and Lottie Han today and watch your relationships walk free of emotional baggage. To order your copy, go to ButterflyWorkshops.com right now. As a sex and happiness coach, I understand that increased sexual participation intensifies sexual responsiveness and desire, as well as overall health and well-being. My experience with the Sibian has personally increased my sexual response and I can now train women to use this machine to have peak orgasms as often as possible. I strongly believe this will add to their health and well-being whether they have a partner or not. The beauty and the miracle of the human body is that it adapts and changes much more rapidly than people change their beliefs or their opinions. The Sibian can make any woman's body more resilient with each peak orgasm. Sibian is an amazing experience, often described as the Lamborghini of sex toys. If you're a woman and you can get yourself to look at Sibian, you should do so. It won't take away from your partner. It will only add, trust me on this, I love my Sibian. Go to Sibian.com. That's S-Y-B-I-A-N dot com or call 1-800-253-6135. That's 800-253-6135. And say Laurie Handler has told you about Sibian. And by the way, if you do have a partner, ask about Venus for Men. That's Venus, V-E-N-U-S for Men. You are listening to Sex and Happiness, a show about your sex and your happiness. And hopefully through the things that John's talking about here, you are getting some clue as to some things that may be going on for you and and how and why you might seek to start studying Tantra and then going further into it. So uh, I'm just, I'm saying that I'm giving it a commercial plug because John's John's taking us deep in this particular uh, conversation that we're having, and uh, if you when we met each other earlier this week about tantra being more than eye gazing, right? (laughs) Yes, tantra is more than eye gazing. (laughs) Just for two or three minutes, talk about what I see as the journey of tantra. Sure, sure, sure. That would be wonderful. Go. So it starts off with this um, surrendering to your own energy, which is the energy that is held in your body in the form of tensions. And these tensions are reactions to past situations, 
where you were too intimidated or too frightened to express yourself. And now as an adult, this is the bioenergetic part, you can actually begin to release these held back energies and the emotions behind them. And then as you do that, you learn to let life energy flow through your body. I mean, Reich talked about the plus pole in the head and the minus pole in the feet. And Tantra talks about the red fire coming up from the earth, the energy of Shakti, and the white fire of consciousness coming down from the crown. So bioenergetics and Tantra talk about the same thing, that we are, if we allow it, a flow of energy rather than a held form. So Tantra can teach us that we aren't a static form which is unchanging, but that we are a flow which is dynamic. We are not a thing, we are a happening. Mm -hmm. On that basis, one, we can let life happen to us as we surrender to it, to synchronicity, to the people we meet. Yeah, we let life really touch us and flow through us. And then by developing our energy body and um, not just having a physical body, we move into a different dimension of perception. First of all, we come out of the head, which is virtual reality, and we come into the body, which brings us into contact with the physical dimension of reality through our five senses. Yeah, we make sense of our existence on the planet. But as we work with our energy and start cultivating our energy body, through the energy body, we can make contact with the energetic dimension of life and all the magical phenomena like sex, relationship, the spirit, sacred, um, yeah, and the mysteries that happen between a man and a woman. And also, of course, the mystery of love. That's all on the energetic dimension, which we perceive directly through our energy bodies. Mm. And that's the path of Tantra, as I teach it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's well put. And I mean, you, I mean, clearly it's deep. The way you've thought about it, the way you teach it, it's very deep. I love, I love what you've said. So now tell us, um, you know, how do people find out about your work? Should they get your book, Realizations? Well, that. I mean, I think people should come and study with a teacher, not necessarily only read a book. Well, the book would be a good start because um, I've only just brought it out. It's uh, at the moment available as an e-book through Amazon or any of the other usual outlets. And it's been online since the 1st of April. And basically in the book, you can read all the stuff that I, that I say on my groups. Okay. So about 150 pithy points <laughs> from Tantra, from shamanism, from bioenergetics, and, and from Dark Eros. Mm-hmm. For example, I talk about, you know, that gestalt shape where you have uh, a wine glass, which is full of water to 50%. And the question is the glass half full or half empty? Right. So I talk about that and I said, well, everybody knows the answer. It depends how you look at it. Right. But what does how you look at it depend on? And if you look at it from your mind, 
the glass is always half empty because your mind is calculating, is it enough? And if you look at it from your heart and from your direct experience, maybe of being thirsty, the glass is always half full. Mm. And this is kind of the key. Am I looking at things through my mind or am I looking at things through my heart and my experience? If I'm feeling really thirsty, the glass will always be half full and I'll really enjoy that water and not think about, is it enough? Mm -hmm. Just as a little example of the kind of, so there's 150 realizations um, and that's one of them. <laughs> so as an example. Congratulations though. I didn't know that you just came out with the book. So the book is called Realizations yeah. and you can get it on Amazon as an ebook. Yes. And then you have, um, it says here you have pilgrimage holidays to India, Mexico, Guatemala, Crete, and France and Cornwall. So um, I, you, we don't have time for you to tell us about all of them, but maybe you want to pick uh, something or just tell us kind of like what's behind a pilgrimage holiday, like what, what, is, what might happen to someone if they join you. Well, the Cornwall one is the one I've been doing longest. Um, I started doing that when I was working as a therapist in Germany that I actually took people to my landscape and uh, I started working with the four elements and the shamanic power places, the stone circles, the underground temples, the standing stones and that amazing, beautiful landscape of the four elements and the ocean and the cliffs. And it, it simply strongly affects people's inner landscape. So we work with the inner landscape through being out in in this very powerful natural landscape. Mm -hmm. That's the landscape in Crete and the sacred places there, or in the southwest France and the Mary Magdalene places. So it's a direct inspiration and doing meditations and energy work to experience deeply these powerful places. And I learned through shamanism how to open the energetic gateway of a power place and help people make contact with with the other world through the gateway, which is in each power place. Mm -hmm. Well, I've been to the power places in India, Mexico, and Guatemala. So mm. I, I definitely understand what you're talking about. Just hanging around in some of those places are, is amazing. Yes. like. In India, the the trip is to the tantric temples, mm -hmm. and um, you know, just some of them are sacred Hindu temples, so you can just be there and quietly meditate. But we do go to a very hidden one where you can actually do sit in yapyum and do tantric meditations, energy work in that energy, and it is just. It's worth it. It's it's amazing. Yes, absolutely. I agree. Well, John, it's been my pleasure to have you today. I want to know if people want to um, get in contact with you, what's the website or what's the best way to, to find you? Yep, the website is called thepathsoftransformation.com. Okay, thepathsoftransformation.com. Very, very good. And the paths yeah. being... 
Tantra, Tantric Massage, Dark Eros, Shamanism, Bioenergetics, and the Path of Pilgrimage. Wonderful. Really. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest today. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm just thrilled. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person. I don't know when that's going to be, but I would like that to happen. So, you know, who knows when it will be. I, I will definitely make that happen in some, in some way. And I just thank you. I really thank you for the work that you're doing. I thank you for your expression, the whole way that you put it. It makes it um, just the whole way you talk about it is so sacred. It's so sick. That's what I, I'm coming away with, just feeling like so deeply everything I experience as the sacred and, and profound. So, John, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, everybody, please tune in next time when I will have another amazing guest. I don't know exactly who it will be, but hopefully you are getting sexier and happier as you listen and getting motivated to do your own work. So this is Laurie Handler signing off, thanking you for being my wonderful audience. I'll be back with you next time, next week with Sex and Happiness. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today for Sex and Happiness. To learn more about Lori and her work, please go to ButterflyWorkshops.com or follow her on Twitter or Facebook. You can send her an email at sexandhappiness at gmail.com. We'll see you again right here next week for another edition of Sex and Happiness. Oh.